I am always awake. What do you require of me? You'll stay with me, won't you? I'll be there every step of the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amory Score. We're back. I'm Jackson. I'm joined by Molly. Hello. Hi. It's it's me, Molly. Remember when we finished this podcast? Well, now we're back. Now we're back. We, well, we finished a book. We finished a book and we stopped doing it weekly. Um, when do you, wh- Okay, when do you think we stopped? How many months ago? Uh, in which sense? When was the last episode released? When was the last episode released? Uh, couldn't be this year. Couldn't be. Um, what, like November? December 2nd, so you know what? Close enough. That's pretty close, yeah. Not bad. Now I'm going back and looking, was there ever a gap longer than four months before? I think there was. I think I the think initial when we got to Year of the Black Rainbow. Well, I think, yeah, I think the initial pandemic gap was a little more. Oh, that too. Mm, uh, no, I, we yeah. recorded in February. Um, we recorded January, then February. Uh, trying to stick to monthly. And then... Yeah, no, we were monthly for a while. We were December, January, February, then pandemic hits. Then we don't, then we come back in May, then August, uh, then October. I think this is actually the longest gap. I think we somehow managed to do one every like four to three months before. Well, that's not uh, bad given we had just finished a project. Uh, so well done us for being very consistent with this ridiculous podcast. <laughs> in, in <laughs> At least up until right this minute. We, well, you know, the, the, we, t- we took like... An entire two years of a pandemic to do eight album tracks. Uh, that is, you know what you got me there. Uh, in my one defense, terrible book. I had to read one awful book. <laughs> um, and we're back today. We're just doing the entire Aftermath album, so this is going to be a slightly longer episode. Or uh, specifically, we're doing uh, Ascension. I know, yes, I know, it's technically Aftermath like Ascension. one album, but it's a double album, and it came out far enough apart from each other that I don't feel bad about this. Yes, uh, it is the um. You know, the, the double album classic where one was released in October, the next one was released in February. Uh, technically a double album, but released apart. So we're just doing the first half. We're doing Ascension today. Um, but Pretty good. Yeah. Until then, it's been an ages. Molly, what's up? Uh, I'm I'm gaming. I, I'm fucking gaming. You know gaming. what? That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. You are gaming. Uh, I've I've played an ungodly amount of Elden Ring since the last time we recorded. Our account, please. Uh, okay, hang on, I'll go get it. Go uh, tab over to Steam. See. Uh, two hundred and eighteen hours. <laughs> Fuck! Ooh, it's not even <laughs> been two months. No, no, it'll be two months in a couple weeks. It'll be yeah, because what was it? Twenty fourth of February. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, twenty fifth of February. Hang on. So how many well, days? That's worse for me. I'm gonna work <laughs> days <laughs> days since. So I'm doing this whole thing. So I, I want end date today, start date February twenty fifth. Calculate duration. Uh, that's fifty days. And can I have the hour count again, please? Uh, it is two hundred and eighteen. 218 divided by 50. I can already tell you how bad this is. You ready? You ready for this? Yeah, I already know. We're on four and a half hours a day on average since Elden Ring came out. You want to know the worst part is I haven't played it in like a week and a half. <laughs> you basically, for your entire free time, 
since February until about two weeks ago when you started reading Fate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did start doing that. Um, you would, you know, come home and play LD. Just, just play that LD. It's true. I was playing that LD because I didn't have to do anything else. That's the that's the beauty of picking Marathon as your game club during the month where Elden Ring comes out is you barely have to play it. And now look at you. Now, how are you doing on that front? Uh, on Marathon? No, on um, Dragon Age, which is your next game club. Oh, Dragon Age 2? Uh, not great. Uh, I, I already happening? finished the first act, though. I started it like two days ago. I know there were discussions about what if we didn't do it, but I assume you're still doing it. Yeah, I'm still doing it. I don't have a better <laughs> idea, so... Yeah, yes, I, I don't have a better idea. I do want to see come Inquisition. Up with another game. I would have to come up with another game, and then I would just have to play Dragon Age Two down the road anyway. Because, like, I do need the the refresher before, um, before we do Inquisition. Because I haven't played Inquisition before, and I want that uh, information. <laughs> but I'm not gonna watch somebody else play Dragon Age. So we need to make those all important choices. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I I played uh, Origins on PC and it was dog shit. Uh, and then I tried to start playing two on PC and I j- I couldn't. That game is made for a controller and the uh, PC port does not have controller support. So yeah, I just uh, I just switched. So rip to my choices in the first game. Owned, 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 owned. Yeah. Oh well. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I I also did some LD. Um, I've played like fifty hours, I think, all told, between two playthroughs, yeah. uh, which means barely anything. I haven't seen any of the characters anyone's talking about. That's <laughs> I've fine. Been I did beat Commander O'Neill though. That was pretty. Fuck sick. yeah, you did. I was like, yeah, I'm sucks. gaming. Um, he's not too bad until he like summons a bunch of ghosts. Uh, I well, that's his whole deal. Yeah, I definitely got to the point with him where, like, in a 1v1, I could do every single one of his attacks precisely knowing exactly how long to wait to roll and bait them all out because I had yeah. died enough that I'd already, like, I just internalized it. Yeah, so you have, you have <laughs> excited, download complete. Yeah. You know when you've just been trying a boss too long, you're like, yep, nope, you roll, and then you wait, and you roll, and then you roll, and yeah. <laughs> then you, and this one, these, these attacks, I have enough rhythm to do one attack, one roll, one attack, one roll. Yes. Um, God. But I know that's basically your perfect video game. It's pretty much what I wanted, yeah. It's 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 basically all I want to do. Uh um, and I've beaten it three and a half times, it's fine. Three and a half times. Well, okay, so the first the first run, that was like a hundred and thirty of the hours. Well yeah, because you didn't know where anything was. You were like exploring. Right. And then the uh, the two runs on that file after that. You can just blitz through that game. It's not very hard to do that once you know where you're going and what you need. Uh, well, you and also, mean do every boss again, like um, on my second run, I did a lot of them because I needed to do a specific ending. Okay. So I did more than I normally should have had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started like a wizard file for fun because uh, I had never played a wretch before, uh, and I wanted to cast the big Kamehameha spell. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, so I, I started that, and I'm like... I'm at the... What did I do last? I think I beat the Royal Capital last. So, like, if I really wanted to, I could just roll through the rest of that game, but I stopped and did some other stuff, and then I was like, you know what? I'm tired of playing this game. I'm gonna go refate. 
So then I read Fate Stay Night. <laughs> you finally burned out on um, LD after 200 and whatever hours. Yes, then you read all of Fate Stay Night in obviously not as much time, but let's say equally as fast a sprint. <laughs> yeah, it was it was basically just a week. Uh, yeah. I think the, I think the timer was like 60 hours or something like that in game. Uh, but yeah, but the other thing is like, that doesn't count the times where I like finish a scene, go look at Twitter for 30 minutes or whatever. Uh, and that happens a lot. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I, I assume that there's a significant amount of even earlier where it's like, it's on my computer. I've got up to do something. Exactly. Yeah. No, like I went to the store, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I just didn't didn't quit the game. Sometimes it's how it goes. No, sometimes it's just running in the background, especially a VN. Shit, it doesn't take up any space. Uh, you can just leave the VN on. But it's now true. you are one of the many people on my feed who is talking nonstop about fate, and it just means I'm going to have to read fate at some point just to know what the fuck you're going on about. I, uh, I, in my defense, I have not posted about it since I finished it like last week. <laughs> No, but during, during, it was during, a, it was I a was lot posting. of fake posting. I was trying to not post any spoilers. And oh, don't worry, I already know the, Just happens. the, okay. I was just posting, like, the occasional funny frame uh, and rot 13 everything else, so. M gave me the beat by beat this. as they were going through. And I'll probably still oh, read okay. it just to see it for myself. It's fun. They did not, they didn't, ru- didn't ruin Fate Zero as much. Like I said, some things, but they know that like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it so I can read Fate Zero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I know no. is just who I am. M also only- just immediately messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to read Fate Zero? <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, yeah, I guess I do. I know the thing about like it's not only is it written by Gen Obechi, who's the thing, thing we care about, but also like every time I've seen a guy from that, they're like wearing a ridiculous cool suit, which people yeah. on Fade are not doing. Uh, no. So I'm like, mm, that looks pretty good, but I ha- I I have to read sixty hours of visual novel before I get there, and I don't have time right now. But Molly's just been tearing it up. I also uh, did like two thirds of a run of Sekiro <laughs> somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, damn. Yeah, and I, yeah, like I said, I'm like a over a third done with Dragon Age Two. The part where this podcast like gaming for the first half is very funny because <laughs> <laughs> we do other things. <laughs> you but... ask me what I'm doing. I'm telling you, I'm playing games. <laughs> You're gaming, watching um, Twin Peaks and gaming. It's true. Um. What is Conan? What is best in life? <laughs> yes, that's that's pretty much all I need. Uh, yeah, God, I've I've also been gaming, but not to the same extent as you. Though when I look at since our last episode, I guess since Jan- December, I have uh, I have gamed significantly. You went on you uh, went on a whole dra- uh, uh, Dark Souls quest. Yeah, I played it. I I have not recorded an memory score since I played every fucking Dark Souls game, have I? No. No, and I mean I've talked about that on other things, but I guess now I can talk to them with Molly, who is uh, my Dark Souls three um, comrade. That's right. It's all about killing bosses, and you know what? Dark Souls three's yeah. got the bosses. Uh, yo, you know what? Let's fight the princes. Let's fight the twin princes. Fight the princes. Let's fight uh, Edex Gudul, whatever the fuck you pronounce that. I need to pronounce <laughs> it. I need to kill him. <laughs> Can't talk if he's dead. So <laughs> he's dead. Um. The uh, uh, the Abyss Watchers. Yes, the fucking Abyss Watchers. The, they're actually kind of annoying, but um, I Let like them some fight. of them. Yes, the part where like, there's, there's a tactic in the first <laughs> half is to just like, run away from them until they fight each other. Is yeah, a bit funny. rules. Because um, they're really hard to manage when you go against all three. 
But yeah, I mean, I had a mostly good time playing all the Dark Souls. That's just that's just so much gaming. It's good gaming. I felt like I burned myself out on gaming. I gamed so much in the first few months of this year. Like I played all the Dark Souls. I played Stranger Paradise. I played uh, Final Fantasy One, Dragon Quest Two and Three, East One. Like going all in RPGs, Pokemon, two Pokemon games. You did play um, two Pokemon games. And now I'm like, I'm done. I, games have been forgotten. All I want to do is watch anime. <laughs> yeah. Is anime good? It's pretty good. It's better than um, uh, the uh, Amory Wars. That's true. That much I, rec- I know. I recommend anime to many people, including you. You should watch more anime. I always forget that you don't actually watch any anime. I watched an anime. Re- uh, I was going to say recently, but that's not true. When did you watch an anime? I think the last time I watched an anime was when I did that uh, Eva uh, project. You've not watched any anime since watching Evangelion? I guess I watched like two episodes of uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, but... So no. <laughs> so no. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> hey, Molly, you should get really into anime. I'm not going to do that, but thank you. <laughs> That's my recommendation. Just as I, a thing to do. If I'm going to watch a thing, uh, Pris says I have to watch the fake cooking show with her. Well, now you care a lot about Saber and her I hair. do. It's true. Uh, that's that's so true. Uh, is the fa- who's on the fake cooking show? Is it Saber, Rin, and the other one? Yeah, I think it's just the the, the Stay trio. Night cast. I think it's yeah. all the whole cast. How much of Fate Stay Night is cooking? A forty percent. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say percentage wise. A solid forty percent. Okay, fantastic. which is great because it's really good. <laughs> You I, you just love to see some uh, dweebs cooking for each other. It's great. Uh, but this podcast isn't all about gaming. No, it's also about baseball. It's also <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and I'm let's Google, go Mets. Let's go up the Mets. Right. Let's search Mets. Let, where are the Mets team? So the baseball season began, and in honor of uh, of Josh Effort, we must look up how the Mets are doing. Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, well, the they Mets won ten to first. three today. Yeah, they are already... Uh, They're first know. in the NL East, but it's been exactly one week since baseball started. So here's my question. Yeah. How much does a single game of baseball matter? Well, it the- matters a lot because, like, law of averages, most teams are going to come out doing okay. Yes. But like, um, be- because of how much games in baseball would have played, right? Like, how, how many... All right, how many games are the Mets playing this season? Give me a number. Every every baseball team plays 162 games a year. Holy shit. So I'm used to, to like, uh, the Premier League here. Football is, like, 40 games. Yeah, and, like, NBA is, like, 82 games per season, I think, which, that's, which that's, even that seems like a lot. Even that seems like loads, yeah. That's just so many games. So, like, I look at this and I go, ooh, they're already 6-2. That's, like, a good lead. It's not it's not, it's not that much of a, no. of a deal. No, it's not at all. Um, let's see. They're in the NL East. So standings. Um, the well, they have a pretty good lead. The next best is the Phillies, who are three and four. Which is uh, yeah. So it's you know it's just early in the season, and also spring training was short this year. Well, yeah, so everything's be, yeah, a little weird. MLB being evil. Yeah, so the MLB being evil did do a lot there. Did they um, make any of the changes they were going to make, like to the 
the designated hitter and everything. What are the changes that came? Yes. In? So the National League has a designated hitter now. That's going to be the, that way forever. So pitchers no longer hit. They've robbed us of any beauty in the world. Fuck. Yep. They did it. Um, and then, I mean, it's nice in the sense that I don't like stress when we get to the bottom of our lineup and there's just a guy who doesn't know how to hit there anymore. But also, I kind of loved it when there was a guy who didn't know how to hit there, and he would try and bunt and, like, fall on his face. So, you know, we take what we could get here. The reason that baseball exists is so that that uh, Botolo Cologne home run can happen. That is the point of baseball. It's so Daniel Camarena can hit a grand slam off of Max fucking Scherzer. (laughs) That happened? (laughs) Yes! That was oh, last shit. year. That's see, and look at the joy they've stolen from us. Yeah, that was last year. That was that might be like the last big pitcher home run. Uh, it was on. It was like besides Shohei Otani. Well, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. He's a hitter. I know. Like, um, yeah, that was. Good. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy watching him, but because he's good, like it's it's not the same thing. No. Uh, yeah, Daniel Camarena. Um, he yeah he hit a he hit a grand slam off Max Scherzer in a game where the uh, Padres were down eight nothing, uh, and then they came back to win nine eight. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. Damn, that's a situation yeah. where like I mean that was always funny because uh, I know that everyone's always complaining about like the unwritten rules. It's like oh when you're ten ups, you know you gotta you gotta go easy on them. What happens if they come back? Yeah, what happens if they come back? Like if they if they do that, and that to be fair, that was over. It was eight zero after two innings or whatever. So there was still a ton of time, but they scored like six runs, and it was either the third or fourth. So it was a real game most of that uh, time. It, an eight nothing baseball lead is not that much. Like I, it's, it's a, a lot. It, no, it's a lot. <laughs> well, no, I know it's a lot. I, I understand it's a lot, but I'm saying that like. While the things that have to be done are very difficult, they are not impossible. You only have to do, like, you know, get yes. everyone round at least. Technically, only eight people have to go without getting struck out. Uh, well, you know. kind of, yes. I mean, yes, there are other ways around it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that, like, I think that the you would be no, stupid so to not I'm... keep trying to rack up the score. <laughs> Yes, 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 absolutely. No, what I'm saying is it's actually more than eight batters because if the first three guys get on base, right, somebody has to hit them in. So that eighth guy represents an eighth run, but in theory, he's just on first. Oh, yes, you're right. Right, you know what I mean? So it's it's probably as the eighth guy gets the home run. You get seven guys walking (laughs) and then one home run. (laughs) And then one home run and you'll be caught up. And then 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 you're great. Then you're in. Yeah. So so yeah. It it's way harder. Uh, it requires a lot of work. But like, that's why you play. <laughs> like, it's the point of it. Yes. No. The, I, the that whole stuff of like, yeah. I, I was not saying, oh, baseball's really easy. You just got to get the points. Because I understand. I would, that, like, yeah. I would simply get on base. <laughs> yeah. Because I do understand that. Like, and you've been posting some pitches. Pitching is crazy. No wonder it's like all. It's either. <laughs> yeah. I see exactly how it's like either home run or um strikeout because. Why would there's no need for it? The middle has gone. Yeah, <laughs> Those like there's some of it, but oh my god, yeah, pitching is crazy now. And um, to be fair, I see the appeal. I'm like, I've always been like, oh, nothing happens in baseball until there's a hit, but that's actually not true because watching someone get completely worked by a pitch does own. <laughs> <You've>, <laughs> it owns. You've brought me around with your posts. Yeah. 
Uh, so the nice thing is that the Giants have a fun rotation right now. Um, and most nights, you can watch some people get fucking worked. Um, the Mets, in theory, should also have this, bringing this back to the Mets. Uh, unfortunately, Jacob deGrom is made of, uh, like, tissue paper. Uh, he's the greatest pitcher in history, except that he can't throw. Um, his, his whole body breaks. At the, well, that sucks for him. Yes, it's not great. At this moment, I require you to go to, uh, Josh Efford's Twitter. Oh, boy. Oh, Josh. What's um, his... His Twitter is at Weird Science with two E's because that's two the, E's. That's okay, thing. But I couldn't remember to... which one he was. I was like, I wonder if he's tweeted about the Mets recently. You know, he's tweeting about the Mets. And here we are. <laughs> All right, Twitter.com/slash/WeirdScience. Let's see. Channing Yankees suck on live TV <laughs> after a Mets home opener win. <laughs> I'm indifferent about the Yankees until we play them, even though I have all these curls fans who love them. Oh, Josh, come on, stop being, stop being like so sportsmanlike. You guys stay. He's... The Yankees suck. The Yankees fucking suck, Josh. He Josh is out here being too nice to say the Yankees suck. That's yeah. That's that's uh, incredible levels of nice. Can never catch me being too nice to say the Yankees suck. Um, um, please scroll down to where he is posting weed gummies and trying to get somebody to explain to him uh, how strong <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, it's right under the baseball posts. Please get someone to explain to me how the back of this says less than 0.3 delta 9 THC uh, and I are one gummy... Wait, le- how the back of this says this... <laughs> Sorry, he says how the back of this says less says quote less than point three down nine THC end quote and I are one gummy and was tenth grade <laughs> high school high. Oh, I think he meant oh, I ate one gummy oh, and I was tenth gummy. grade high school okay. high. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, am I high? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> That's how strong these gummies are. Uh, <laughs> he says I almost went to the hospital Josh dude just take a nap uh, Someone says sounds like I, you got your money's worth <laughs> <laughs> Someone else responds with I think I know why And has zoomed in on the part where it says Improved formula on the package <laughs> <laughs> Josh Efforts mentions a poppin This rule <laughs> Thank you King Oh, and then you scroll down. The actual best thing is he tags at Mets in every one of his Mets posts. He just loves the Mets. I was like, I wonder if he's actually going to post for the Mets. And his entire Twitter account is the Mets. And occasionally this weed thing he bought and was confused by. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's that's our Josh check. That's our Mets check. Mets check. Uh, Max Scherzer is on the Mets now. Who's Max Scherzer? Uh, he is probably first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Okay. Pitcher. He's tweeted so much. I don't think um, I don't think Claudio tweets like this. I'm just gonna say this is what we're doing. Live checking Claudio Sanchez tweets, but Oh, he's is, not tweeting. This is Josh's Twitter account in a way that I'm like I mean 28,000 people follow him, so uh, he's a public enough figure that I feel fine doing it. But this is just his public... He's just being like, yeah, there we go, I did it. I'm tweeting about yeah. the Mets. He's tweeting about the Mets, man. He's having a great day. He's being incredibly normal. It's pretty good. Um, The 
uh, what was I going to say? The Claudio only tweets when he's touring, and he's always like just retweeting guys who love his tours, which is fine. That's valid. Yep. Oh, he's working out and complaining about getting old, which fair enough. I'll be yeah, old. you know what? Comes for everybody. <laughs> um, he's oh my god, he's got a fucking <laughs> he's. Got... <laughs> oh my god, he's got a Chai City fridge. <laughs> wait, wait, what? He's got a Mr. Chai City fridge. What the fuck does that mean? Have you Let's not see. seen the video? Oh my god. <laughs> Remember, you know the video? Keep, keeping your yeah. refrigerator stocked will get you many women. The, the classic. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the tag is ready for uh, Albany NY after party. So, like, there's a bunch of beers in here. I for many people. It's for a party. But uh, he does have an open fridge with a bunch of cans and bottles in it. Just like the king. Uh, One reply here. That's a lot of Pedialyte and cold cuts. <laughs> Josh Shepard, uh, I drink a bottle a day. So do the other guys. <laughs> so Wait, what are they drinking? Pedialyte? What's that? Is that a... Can I have a beer review? Because I don't fucking know. Uh, it's it's a drink for children. Oh, it's a drink for children? It's not a beer? No. Okay. No, it's like... It, it has a lot of... Um, hang on, I'll just... I just have to send this to you because... It's an oral electrolyte solution? Yeah. It's just like, what if Gatorade was more slightly medicinal? Yes, basically. Okay. Well, that's that's what all the lads are drinking on tour. Gotta They're drink one a day, Pedialyte. that's right. Sorry if I embarrass myself by being British and saying, Pedialyte, is that a beer? <laughs> <laughs> well, it does have Pedia in it, so you might know it's for children. But Oh, well, yeah, I guess... Like peds, that, that, yeah. Yeah. But I but. have to think about this every day, because I work at a medical clinic, so... I don't think about this ever. This comes so. up slightly more often for me. Uh, you can imagine how little I'm thinking about this. When people are dehydrated, we do tell them to drink... Um, water? To drink... No, Pedialyte. <laughs> <laughs> yes, water too, I guess. First, I would recommend water. <laughs> Thank you, Jackson. <laughs> We're going to hire you immediately. Clearly, we've been I'm, fucking up. I'm your new doctor coming in to help ease the load. Clearly, you need some help. Uh, uh. Right, that's enough bullshit. <laughs> Classic podcasting over here. Classic stuff. This is this is Amory score right here. Uh, so, uh, new format, new situation. We don't really know how we're going to handle it. Um, I guess we shall begin uh, with the story. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Afterman Ascension. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll just give some give some background. I'm not going to split them up because I think I don't think it's worth doing the book and the album completely separately because we're going to want to talk about them song by song ish. Um, okay, I I will give a summary of both, and then we'll just have the. I think it's better to have the conversation be broad. If it's not, we'll split it next time. You know, if this is wrong, that's fine. Then yeah, whatever. no, we can we can just talk through the whole thing if you want to do it. Yeah, so, uh, the year is 2010. Uh, year the Black Rainbow comes out. Um, it is mildly successful, but everyone hates it. Yes. <laughs> People purchased it, but they did not enjoy it. Um, and crucially, it is like Kohi's last album on, like, Columbia, right? On their fucking major label. Uh, because it's 2010, rock music's already dead. 
Um, yeah. You know, uh, Fallout Boy was already six years ago at this point. Um, oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, like the like the uh, alternative rock boom that they came up in and was like my introduction to this is serious music was only like three years long and was dying by this point rapidly. I was gonna say. I get, yeah, I guess Danger Days was 2010, and even that one is, wasn't... And Danger Days was, like, after the boom, right? That was, yeah, that, was that did okay, because it was fucking MCR, but... Because it's MCR, yeah, because it, that's... The, it, of course you're buying the album after the Black Parade, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. But, like, the Kerrang! era was over. Yeah. Um, And so, no longer on a major label, they, they have to pivot, and they do a new album, uh, and it is produced... By Cody Cambria and Michael Birnbaum and Chris Bittner. Um, those are the random names you might not know, but they're very important. They sure are. Because they are the producers of albums such as In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Yeah. The Second Stage Turbine Blade. Good Apollo and Burning Star 4. Uh, volume 1 from, from Theater of the Eyes of Madness. Did not produce the ones in the middle. Uh, at the time, everyone was like, whoo, those are the good albums. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were onto something. Maybe things might be looking up. There is, of course, one other note to mention uh, that yes. happens between these albums, um, and that is uh, lineup changes. Um, yep. First of all, Chris Penny fucks off. Um, yeah, he's sick of it. Don't really know why. Uh, I don't understand. Let's see if anything on his Wikipedia page helps me understand this. No, of course not. He says not. in order to focus on other projects, which is just what anyone says. It's not. It's not. Nec- doesn't mean. Yeah, there's. Thing. There's no. Yeah, there's no dirt here. Um. It's because uh, nobody liked his drum solo during Neverender. It's because nobody liked his drum solo, uh, and I. I can't. No. Here's the thing. I can't quite tell the narrative because there's not that much public info on it. Um, but uh. <laughs> they bring in they bring back Josh Ebert to replace them now that they're off Columbia and he doesn't have to worry about <laughs> the like terror that caused him to walk away from the yes. major tours they were blowing up so big the band gets smaller and Josh Ebert's like okay I think I feel safe to come back yes uh, so Josh comes back which is great everyone's happy about that we um, love it whether Josh coming back and going through rehab um is what causes Chris to leave or the, the other way around? I don't quite know. I, I don't have the... Uh, I think it's the other way around. I think it's the other way I think Chris leaves. I think and then Chris Josh leaves and then they're just... They don't have a drummer for a little bit. And then, yes. yeah, they, they get Josh back. Um, but then also, uh, Mike Todd, longtime bassist, uh, as we have, I think, said before on this podcast, but famously walks in to a drugstore, uh, does the um, uh, Pulp Fiction thing of handing a phone to... Uh, the like teller there and robbing it by saying he's got a bomb on him or something. Yep. Um, uh, the pop fiction thing saying that you have a child to shoot, but it, the the same thing doesn't have a bomb. Says he has a bomb. Uh, robs them. Yeah. What matters with- is he's trying to rob a Walgreens or something. Yeah, I think it was a Walgreens. Successfully robs the Walgreens. Uh, because of course they're going to give him the thing, but then they just call the police and the police follow him to the gig. <laughs> Which yeah. he goes to after he robs us Walgreens. Uh, this is a negative incident, you could say. Anyway, he's not in the band anymore. After <laughs> yeah, he's this. not in the band anymore. Um, yeah. And this is a bummer situation because, you know, he's, it's coming out of his own addiction. It's a shame. It's sad. Uh, and it's a pretty shitty thing to do and it sucks. And then his life goes pretty bad after this. And 
Uh, just about all around. Uh, but he is replaced by Zach Cooper. Yeah. Um, and this is the new Kohi that is like revealed in 2012 and has been the same since. That, that, that This is the band. Yeah, I was going to say, this is Kohi now. Um, they have not changed since. They seem to be very happy doing this. They have settled into their like mid-tier level of like famous but not super big uh rock band honestly if i was gonna get famous this is probably the level i would shoot for yeah enough to have a cruise (laughs) yes enough to have a cruise but no more than that i wouldn't be having more than that you wouldn't have the cruise (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) why would you have the cruise yeah, I wouldn't. Need, if I was any more, if, if you're such, so if I, if you if you are any more famous than the amount of famous correctly required to have a cruise, it would you be would fucking not embarrassing. <laughs> Chris Jericho famous. Ah, uh, I want that Chris Jericho fame. <laughs> I want the Chris Jericho level fame. I want a podcast that too many people care about. Uh, who who? But also, uh, I probably wouldn't have as many alt right guys on it. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> God. Um so yeah, so that's the band, and then they came out with this album, which is a new double album. Uh and it's released in two parts. The Aftermath Ascension and the Aftermath Ascension. We're talking about Ascension today. Uh and it is the return of these people. The um album comes with uh a like coffee table book that has the plot in it. In a way that I can only describe as like a hastily wi- written Wikipedia summary of itself. Yeah. Um, the uh, like the you were saying, you were saying in the Discord channel, like you can't say this is an author's note. This is the lore. You should just write that into the book. <laughs> there is a bit where there's like a massive bit of lore that is in an author's note in like brackets. It's really funny because then he does explain it later. Yes, he does. He totally explains it later. Um, this I entire- wonder. I wonder if it was like a note for himself that he just didn't take out because this thing is not edited. No, the this entire document is sixty pages long, including like titles and there's a title card per like entire page, big title card for every um, song and, and thus chapter, uh, and this includes both albums. So like the content we're covering today only goes up to page thirty three. It's not that much, um, and also very little happens. So um yeah the the story will be a fairly light conversation uh <laughs> but I will not keep everyone in suspense here's the actual thing the album's good they did it the they did good. come back my god they did it they, they got the guys it, like, yeah like i mean when they first when do you remember when you first listened to this album cuz we're both in at this point right we're, we're yeah 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 um well, because they released Domino the Destitute, and you're like, oh my fucking god, thank god, they remembered how to write eight-minute songs. Yes. And it's, pretty good. it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. You're like, maybe you could have sped it up a little. A you know, little. Like a little, but uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, And then I remember, the other thing I remember, this isn't even this album, but when Dissension came out, the first uh, single's like The Hard Sell, I'm like, oh, what are we doing? What's going on here, guys? Uh, yes. Um, but I remember being, like, kind of disappointed in this album, which I think on revisiting is unfair, in that, um, at the time I was like, oh, it, it's not immediately as good as, um, Good Apollo. I was like, let's get, let's get as good as Good Apollo going. And it's fine. It's just never coming back. Uh, yeah, that's fine. They're doing different shit now. Um, but this Claudio's is... Claudio's never going to be that divorced again. 
<laughs> what if he gets... Hang on. Just suddenly... <laughs> reversed. What happens if Kanye gets divorced? Divorced. If he, gets, if he gets a divorce, he's writing the greatest album of all time. That's just all there is to it. Or the worst album of all time. <laughs> Probably both. If he gets divorced halfway through Vaxxis... Oh, it would be unbelievable. Oh. Oh. It's not gonna happen. But it's not gonna happen. Nor am I <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I'm not like. And I don't oh. want that to happen. Yes, I, I would. You know, rather Atlas grow up happy. Somebody recently, somebody recently DM'd me on on Twitter.com and said, "Why are you and Jackson doing this if you hate this band so much?" <laughs> and I never did reply. It's we don't hate the band. We like these guys. We, we like wanna, the I, band. We want to talk about Queen Cambria. I'm simply discussing this thing that I cared about a lot as a teenager and still kind of do. Um, yeah. And the part where the books are terrible um, is f- funny. Like, I know, I understand that, like, I, we're taking these lyrics and these stories and being like, damn, Claudio, you got a lot of fucking stupid pathologies. But let's be clear, most guys do, especially guys that, like, their creative career and their entire path of their life are set from, like, the ideas they had in high school. <laughs> Yes, and this you can't change it now. You can't change it now. Um, so he's just kind of like, if it worked, if it got him that kind of like level of fame, why wouldn't you just keep doing it? Of course you would. Uh, and plus, I think one of the interesting things is like the ways in which it was gross at the start are not actually necessarily worse than the ways in which it is more insidious later when it's much more respectable. Um, you know, it's not. There's not Al the Killer levels of ridiculous, evil corpse rape. Well, man. it's because you become a, lo- a better liberal feminist, and yes. you know. Uh, but the ideas, I, I think, the ideas in Cody's music are pretty bad. The things it's espousing. Yeah. To be clear, that's normal for like um, this kind of alt rock. They're not really alt rock, but you know, this. Pick any fucking guitar band from the aughts. They're probably misogynists, and it's you. You can just say Fallout Boy. We already did this. We've yeah, been no, there. I mean, I can say Fallout Boy. And to be yeah, fair, yeah. Pete Wentz is like so much worse than anything in yes. Coheed. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I evil man, evil man, Pete Wentz. Yeah. Um, songs bang though. So yeah, he doesn't write them, but the songs do. Bang. No, but the songs do bang. That's Patrick's time. I felt betrayed in school. This is a stupid, stupid time. I felt betrayed uh, in high school when Patrick Stump lost all that weight. <laughs> I know! He was Dude. like the fucking chubby king. You of were one of ours! Guys. He, he was one of us! Molly! <laughs> <laughs> he was one of us, and then he became like a fucking, uh, you know, celebrity over there. And he's like, no, what you doing? And he's like, oh, I did it for my health. I was diabetes. And I'm like, I, I mean, yes. Yeah, that's I, fair. If I was rich, I would also employ a personal trainer to fix me in the same way. But I'm not. But I'm so not. You're one of Come me, on, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, God. you could have dudes rock so much harder. You know who's the king of this? Who is the king of this? Jared Way. Is he? I don't know. Did you, uh, you don't. You clearly are unaware. So Jared Way. Mike McCormitz, he is like the lead singer, basically sex symbol icon of the 2000s for an insane yeah. like population. He st- he quits, and overnight he becomes a schlubby comic book writer. It's like oh, the most yeah. like fucking king shit thing anyone's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I haven't seen it. Like the only ever thing I see is the hourly Gerard Way account when uh, a friend of ours retweets it and is horny about it. Um, 
I mean, just find him. Here you go. Here's here's just a picture of Jared Way uh, sitting in front of a Netflix. So this is clearly at a conference of some kind. It's probably for um, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, probably for the. I, I would say around the first season. I don't know when this was taken. Oh my God, King! Look at this kid. This is like you take off your you take off your costume. Yes, dude. Of being like the, a huge sex symbol for like a decade, and you become he's just, just a, a guy. He's just a. It's so cool. I love, I love that. Him. Thank you. Uh, I love him so much. So yes. No, I haven't it. thought much about Gerard Way the person since uh, Danger Day. So. Uh, no, no, I haven't uh, read the Umbrella Academy or all that stuff. But Me either. Uh, I wonder what they're up to now, because they had that reunion and then we're about to go on tour. But then, <laughs> and then COVID happened. And COVID happened. Uh, apparently they're still going to go on tour. Yay! Uh, I can't get those tickets. That's expensive. No. <laughs> God, no. No. <laughs> Have to go down to Tacoma? No. No, no thank you. <laughs> Uh, I've already seen MCR twice, so I'm never going to see him again. It's fine. I hate you. <laughs> you hate me? I've never seen MCR. So sad. Uh, I saw them in the um, Black Parade tour and the Danger Days tour. <sighs> yeah. And then I got the, the the train from Wembley wasn't running, so I had to get a bus home from Wembley to Kingston. That took about four that hours. Like it would suck. Yeah. In the middle of the night. <laughs> that Great. sucked. Um. But anyway, where were we before we went off in a direction? About... <laughs> I don't think we've talked about this oh, album no. at all. We said that, uh, <laughs> that you got the DM, and I was explaining that every band's misogynistic. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. In this in this space, uh, and the critiques of Claudio are not meant to be like attacked on him as a person. Though I'm sure if he was listening, he would be sad. Like I would be if someone was. Tri- I would be about if me. somebody was doing this about my podcast. I would be sad. But. Uh, my response is, I still like your songs. Please cheer yourself up by enjoying your cruise, my friend. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Let's go to a Mets game, Claudio. Let's Claudio, if you're listening, uh, I will go to the Mets game with you and Josh. No, the actual answer is, Claudio, if you're listening, I'll go to the Mets game in your in your stead. because. Oh, I yes, remember, instead of you, because remember, you don't like it that much. Remember that one clip <laughs> where Coyote and Cabrera are the Mets game, and it like shows them in the close-up, and Josh and Travis are like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and Claudia's like a disappointed, annoyed dad sitting next to them. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Let's go to the Mets game. Let's sit somewhere close to that dumb apple they raise whenever somebody hits a home run. That's right. Uh, so that's the album. Uh, the let's let's begin um, talking about the uh, story, and then when the songs come up, we can just mention the songs. Yeah, uh, we'll try to hit everything. If we miss anything, I'll do hosting and circle around at the end. But we'll just do fairly freeform. Yeah, shouldn't be too bad. Uh, so, <laughs> the plot of the Afterman, the uh, the Amory scores is finished. Or the end. Uh, we shouldn't have given our podcast a name so we much shouldn't. The name we did of the thing because I did every. The Amory time. Wars is donezo. Donezo, where is there to go? This tale is told. Um, this is a prequel about the discovery of the keywork, which, as you will all remember, because you've been paying close attention these past five years, or however long it's been, it's been uh, forever, is the network of souls that link all the planets and heaven fence together. Um, yeah. It is not necessarily known to be made up of souls the prize reveal that to jesse um but it is like energy holding everything together it's only when yeah. jesse walks into that one room and he's like oh it's made of people um, <laughs> oh 
and this is about Cyrus Amory going to the keywork and investigating and discovering the life force that exists within. But wait. Yes. What is that you say? Cyrus Amory is going on a journey to do a scientific thing? I sure hope he doesn't have a wife at home while he's on some kind of tour. <laughs> I, sure hope he, I sure hope his wife doesn't hate that he's doing this. Oh. So yes, it's a, it's another classic album of uh, Rockstar working out anxieties about the fact that they're on tour all the time. The least relatable subject in music! The le- It's only musicians. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, there's a... There is a... Uh, clip i found on youtube one time where claudio's song with his wife is faithfully by journey which is a song about going on tour uh amazing yeah song about going on tour and being away from your wife uh yes yeah, so that's, that's what the entire premise of the album's about that um and the story such as it is is about cyrus at least in in, in, in ascension it's cyrus going into the keywork and experiencing like memories of others who have been in the past because their souls are in the key work yeah uh, this is uh in the this is the key entity extraction suite which are just songs about some guys claudia invented some guys he invented um, some guys and he wanted to talk about them uh and there's, there's four of those songs in this album one on the next one um and meanwhile the other bits is uh um his wife back on not Earth, I guess, but back fake on Earth. one of one of the planets, fake Earth essentially, because all of even though this is a prequel, this is just the present, all the settings of the present day. Yeah, um, which was how uh, they they were on you know uh, New Jersey, wherever it was. Um, yes, on Paris Earth, Paris Earth. Uh, in the in the first book, despite the fact that the rest of the thing was about fucking spaceships having a super war, uh, yeah, unclear on the world building. But this is every time they're back on the planet, it's just regular modern Earth somehow. Um, and so she's she's at home dealing with that. But the the an, an important complication to this story is that Cyrus dies. Well, as far as anyone knows. Yeah, everyone thinks Cyrus died. So in this story that will proceed to be about the anxieties of what happens when you leave your wife alone and whether she's going to be faithful to you, the narrative conceit they've made is that she thinks he's dead and has already been grieving him for six months. Yeah. Before any man makes another move on her, that time's already passed. Which to me suggests she's in the clear. I don't think you can get mad at oh, her. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. You can't get mad at her about this. It's been six months. She's been grieving you for six months. It's fucking over. No. There was she an can... explosion in space where your ship was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he's going to come back from that. He is not dead, but that is what happens. On her side of the story, that's what happens, and he's going in the keyword and dealing with the souls. Uh, I guess we can go into more specifics now, but that's the broad outline of the story. Yes. Um, I do want to just quickly go back and say <laughs> one thing I will be directly quoting from is that every one of these songs has a little italicized blurb from Claudia about the inspiration for the songs. Yeah, where, where last, did this come from? The last song on the album is called Subtraction. And the blurb here says, I don't think it's any secret that we, like so many bands before us, are away from home and our families more than we are not. Um, and so I'm like, yes, I know. This album's about going on tour. Surely you can't try to tie it into something more profound. But his next sentence, this holds... 
This holds even truer for families with loved ones in the military, or even those with long-distance commutes. That's right. (laughs) The troops and guys who marry somebody the next town over. This is such a... It's so funny, because it's like... He knows... He is admitting to us that he knows that the emotional content of this album is exclusively for musicians. Yes. Uh, uh, but it's, it's, I think other guys could probably relate, maybe. Like, like the troops are away from home, and I respect them. <laughs> I respect and like, them. We're all away from home sometimes if you've got to drive, you know. Uh, <laughs> We've all had to go to, like, a training out of town. Which is not the same thing. Uh, not the same thing. I'm just going to let right here. Not the fucking same thing. Uh, so what did you think of this uh, this story? Uh, it's very funny to me. <laughs> yes. What What if I went on tour and my wife thought I died and got with somebody after six months of grieving me? You know, that would be f- kind of fucked up, I guess. I would be sad about it if I came back and wasn't dead. She doesn't even really get with anyone in this part of the no. story. She's still like, she, she... The thing, I think there's like a time break between these two albums. The thing that happens is she is accosted at a bar by like a creepy guy, um, and then a police officer, uh, like stops her from getting drugged and saves her, um, and then the word is like, little does she know, this officer will eventually become her new love interest. And the rest of the album's all about the key entities. Yeah, uh, so it's all on Cyrus' side of the story. Um, so not much going on there. Which leaves us mostly with the con- like. We'll get into the the wife stuff really next album. Uh, it, the next album is very much about the wife stuff. Um, this is more about Cyrus himself being away and the guys that Claudio has invented. That's He's invented right. Some guys. He's got four different guys to talk about. We have four guys. Um, that gender neutral. Four guys. There are. There's two. There's two men and one. Two women. Yes. Um, See if you can inform how their gender may have informed their character. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first song we have, like the first, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was gonna say musical. That's not it. Uh, instrumental, kind of. In- yeah, the interlude, the first. In- I yes. quite like the first little. Inter- I think it's better than the, yeah. the like weird atmospheric ones in um, yeah, Black Rainbow. I quite it's like this. Way better than song. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and his ship wife talks to him a little bit. Yes, his ship wife does. The all mother. Yes, because the all mother is the AI on the ship that he is named after his wife that he is abandoned to do this mission. Space wife. So, lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he he his his entire uh, motivation is he has always wanted to figure out what the fuck the key work is. Uh, which fair enough, it's it's in the sky. It's got beams coming out of it. I probably want to know what that is. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the the hollow. It's you know, it's nothing, but it's still pretty good. Um. Yeah, I quite like that song. It's like it's just some like you know instrumental with some synth pianos. Um, and I think it's one of their better ones, it's especially since like you know since probably um I would say in keeping secrets, like keeping the blade. I'm not actually as into as some people. It's fine. Um, is, uh, is keeping the blade the uh, good Apollo one? Yeah, good Apollo. One. That's good. It's fine. Um, yeah, and then we get to the, the first real song, which is uh, the key entity extraction one, Domino the Destitute. Um, because so naming songs after their like sweet 
was like a thing that Coheed was like, they always did. They always had their suites and they were important. And last time, one of the criticisms was, these don't really feel that connected. They're just five songs that happened at the end of the album. It's not yes. like in the album before, like, you actually, you know, there's, I see why you would group them together musically. This goes even further by like, narratively, it's when he, it's when Claudia's making up a guy, but they don't even flow together. Three of the songs are together, but two of them are apart. One of them's on a different album. Uh, they're just songs. They're, they're, no, they're, it's just kind of the Mark story content. Yeah, it's just for the law. It's just for the law. And I did not know the law behind Domino the Destitute till today. Oh, you didn't? Well, I knew. So the song itself is fucking bangs. This song rips. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, and it has like some some dialogue of uh, the um, boxing fight and the lyrics are about boxing. Guy. Yeah, the lyrics are about some boxing. Uh, and so I, I gathered the like the the vague narrative from the story. Uh, however, the specifics, the specifics in here are so funny. <laughs> oh yeah, they're incredible. Would you like to tell everyone uh, some facts about Domino, please? Yeah, yeah. So Domino the Destitute, uh, he is a professional boxer. Uh, he's really good, is the thing. Um, and he has a brother named Chess. Stop, please. <laughs> yes yes jackson you know you call a guy domino and i'm like that's fine that's a dumb name yeah you can name a guy domino and i don't think anything of it i'm like you're naming things in your fantasy universe whatever you call his brother chess (laughs) dude we gotta talk about your parents at that point we have to wonder why this this family is torturing these children. Domino is not necessarily just the game Dominoes. No. Like, I understand that's what it means. That's where the word comes from. Uh, the Dominoes are, like, it's a famous game with, with tiles. Uh, but it also means, like, things falling into place because that's what, you know... It is, the word itself has already been expanded into so many different metaphors. Yeah. And so someone being called Domino, it's a, I would just accept that as a name. Ch- chess is not. That's just no. chess. What if they name that motherfucker Pawn? <laughs> <laughs> what if they named that motherfucker Boggle? <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, this is this is your brother. Sorry, <laughs> this is your brother, Android Netrunner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Domino has a brother, Chess, who is recently <laughs> is recently married. Um, and it, I guess the implication is that they were uh, Chess and Domino were really were really close. Uh, but now that his brother is married, he's like, oh, he doesn't have as much time for me now. Because uh, he has a wife, and he starts to feel like a third wheel, uh, which so because of this, a local crime boss meets Domino uh, and starts manipulating him in some way, where he gets addicted to drugs. Yeah. Question mark. It, the metaphors, because this is also a song about Michael Todd and his addiction. Yes. And how. Uh... And we like a very public witness to a very like tragic way for that to go in someone's life. So it's like a sad event that's real and everyone knows about. And 
the way in which Claudia has narrativized that is that Domino and Chess are being manipulated by Crypto Norn Crypto Noncross. Yeah, please. Crypto Norncross. Crypto Noncross. Yup. Uh and uh, Crypto like turned Domino against Chess and got him addicted to drugs. Uh and um gets knocked out by Saul the ghost maker maven you can't do this claudio come on dude Saul the ghost cuz you know he's about to be the go- about to be a ghost in the he's in about the, to be a ghost so he gets knocked out by the ghost maker uh and this is a like awful defeat and his the only thing he has is his fighting his prize fighting if you will um is yes. gone <laughs> cuz this is a well that i will got to many times <laughs> Uh, and uh, Donna's like, ah, oh, you got one, you got one last job. Uh, we we're gonna get do a heist and get everything back. Um, and then you can get your life back on the thing. And the the um, Domino. I- so in th- in theory, Chess has like seen Domino having this problem and is like, I can't help you, dude. Sorry. Uh, and so Domino was like. Uh, at, like at his lowest point, and uh, Cryptor is like, "Hey, do you want to do like you want to rob an armored car or something?" Uh, and then Domino goes, "You know what will help me get back in touch with my brother <laughs> is if I have him help me rob this armored car." Well, it doesn't actually say it helps. So here's I want to read out this little paragraph, and you can un- get a yeah. sense of how weird this this uh like book is, and why I say it's a summary of itself. Because this is doesn't do like any narrative work to tell you what's happening. It just tells you events in order, and I don't know where the emotional through line is meant to be if this was a real story. So. If Domino would help him out with an armored Kai heist, that, okay, that's like, I guess I'd uh, Crip offered him a big solution. So this is Crypta Noncord, or whatever his name was. Uh, if Domino would help him out with an armored Kai heist, he would share. He's share the big payout because this book wasn't proofread. It was not proofread at all. <laughs> There's so many typos all throughout this thing. Domino saw this as his chance at redemption. Trying to mend the relationship with Chase, Domino offered him a role in the plan, knowing he could have used the money after all, and would do anything, and would do anything to, holy shit, (laughs) and would do anything, but it's written as two, because it's another typo, to help his old brother. The heist went horribly wrong, with Chess getting shot. No, why would Chess, Chess is like the- Why would, he's married with kids. So there's no anticipation of like, why would Chess go along with this? How does he get shot? Is it Domino's error that leads to it? Is it someone else's error? And why was the relationship needing... Like, there is no point at which it sounds like Chess and Domino are, like, estranged. Well, it does say earlier up that, like, he was trying to put a wedge between Domino and Chess. But it all seemed like it was on Domino's end. There was no indication that, like... um, You know, if Domino said, I'm sad, will you let me back? Chess would say no. Because he's yeah. just the nice one in this in this scenario. But anyway, so that's what I mean about, like, that is ostensibly a critique of the story, but it feels very silly to say because the thing's so barren as a text that it doesn't even matter, I guess. Yeah. Um, in the version where this was a more fleshed out short story, maybe these th- these critiques would hold more weight. But as it is, it's just it's just weird. Yeah, like, I get the, I get the idea, and, like, I can't explain the story more because this is all we have. 
yeah it's literally just like this is it this is it um and also like because he's in he's in the keywork and he's he's using his like you know key extractor to feel these things so cyrus is like watching this and also experiencing it yeah um and melding with these souls briefly uh so yes chess gets shot um domino is lying propped up against the wall on test street <laughs> that's right helpless as his brother slops to the cobblestone and take his last breath completely devastated and as he realizes what he's done domino puts the gun in his mouth and suddenly the perspective changes and cyrus is domino holding the gun um weird line to use if you weren't writing this as a screenplay <laughs> like yeah uh so it's very awkwardly written but yes uh they both pull the trigger and that's that's the end of domino that's how domino ends up in the in the key work i guess yep um so because of that whole thing um there is a like a scream that resonates here's the story the the, pa- the paper i'm looking at says Domino screams, an, a hair-raising, unearthly sound that in turn resonates a destructive frequency through the All-Mother, who transmits the tone through her hard connection to Cyrus's ship, causing it to explode in the quiet of space. Yes, so... So it's, so it's gone. The, the ship blows up, and that's it. <laughs> this, is, this, this is why immediately after, uh, his wife's like, I guess he's dead, because his ship explodes. Right, so uh, the next track, The Afterman, is about going, damn, rip to that dude. <laughs> yeah, it really needs to go track by track, because like, the, 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 we've already really covered what happens with his wife. Like, We've really yeah. covered all of it. Uh, I will say uh, this bit. Breaking news! Controversial re- researcher Cyrus Amory feared dead after unexplained explosion, ending privately funded endeavor to self-professed brackets. Key work. I guess... <laughs> what the fuck a- is this? Air quotes, not brackets. Uh, yeah. Yes, rip. Rip to him. Uh, um, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, but while everyone on Earth thinks um, that he's dead and uh, Mary's having this entire plot that's literally just, oh no, I miss my husband. Um, why did he go off without me with the hotter version of me that is a spaceship? <laughs> that is a spaceship and won't say no to him. Uh, the, 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 some of the language used here is so peak Claudio. Um, let's take a look. Uh, this is the very first paragraph where we're introduced to his wife, um, which is, she had no intention of arguing that day or any day for that matter. Confrontation where Cyrus was concerned had always been something she avoided at all costs, both because she hated any unrest between them and because he spent enough time fighting with the entire scientific populace. That is Mary, ever supportive, skilled at moving her needs to the back burner to accommodate the desires of the people she loves. And Cyrus is at the very top of that list. This is where I get confused because this is a very precise picture of an insanely unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Uh, but I know that, like, from the perspective of, of the narrative, like, Claudia's reading it, like, Claudia's sympathy is all, like, it's an anxiety on Claudia's part. So it's, it is partially self critique. If I am asking my partner to put these burdens on, like, to, to, yeah. to, to, to put up with the shit because I'm going off and doing these things and they need to care about my art more than our relationship to, for this whole thing to function. Um, and so there is like a, there is self-awareness there. I'm not saying it's not like done deliberately, but the 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 fact that Mary like is like I'll do it, I'll do it all for love, yeah. and that's romanticized here is the part where I'm like, Claudio, I don't know about this one, boss. I don't know, boss, chief. Yeah, come uh, on, dude. You might want to rethink. 
you have to know that this is not good. Uh, because as we know, like the the history on Claudia's writing of giving women agency is bad. Uh, yes. Like this is coming right after a book in which the only like step of agency a woman took was to kill herself to protect the purity of her husband. Yes. Um, it's ridiculous. I, I I saw this and was like, oh, it's right there on the page. It's yeah. so, it's just... He wrote it down. The fact that I know that this story does not end with like Cyrus going, I've made a mistake and I've trapped this woman into an awful relationship that sucks. Like, it's not a... It's not like a horror story. The horror story is more... It's not like Claudia has created a relationship based on his own that is nonetheless a dark mirror of all the worst things he sees in himself. Uh, it's not. It's more just like a plot device for anxiety. It's about being on tour. So this this paragraph really stood out to me. It's like, this is like yeah. really precise. <laughs> Very weird. Very strange. It is. And then also like, it always, like and just like with Len Humberg, it's like this character believes in the specialness of science yes. it's not like it's not like i love him and also he's gone but it's what he wants it's like no his work is important she yeah, believes it is important yes. i just couldn't follow him that's that's taken as almost like more true than the like romantic stuff is like she believes in the importance of the work and in the metaphor it's like you know the only way we can read this is like trying to believe that claudia must go on tour to spread the word of it, it's just is it a weird metaphor to use for a going on tour story when the thing you're talking about is like the most important scientific work of its time? Yes. Um, it, yeah, it's a weird framing. Just obviously not to say that I'm not saying Claudia one to one thinks that. I'm saying like that's just a weird choice. No, to it's just a weird way to go with it. On this story. Um, but yeah. So that's what's going on at home, which brings us to. So we have a few, few more stories and then. Um, uh, Cyrus is like in the key work trying to figure out what's going on um, like just in this weird miasma of souls not knowing what's happening uh, until he comes across some more guys some more guys uh, I do want to just know like Mothers of Men weird song I've never thought about it once since I listened to this album <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so in, I guess in, in this, it was just, just take a break to talk about the music. A Domino of the Destitute and Banger song. Yeah, um, Banger. I really like Afterman. I'm surprised how I much I really like Afterman. It's a really good uh, song. Especially the, like, second half, uh, where, like, the, the drum beat is the driving force of the song. Yeah. Um, that, like, that bit's really cool. Um, uh, Mother of the Men, I'm, I think, is a, a totally fine song, but yes, you're right. I never think about it. I've, yeah, I never think about it. I have never thought. You know, what I want to listen to. <laughs> I enjoy the song. Yeah, I I don't usually skip it. I don't think. You never listen anymore to what was said. That's one of the men, right? I, I, yeah. I yes. like, no, you're on it. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how that's how I think of it. Like that could totally be one of the other songs. Um, and then "Goodnight Fair Lady" is that a uh, song from the perspective of the like creepy guy in the bar who's trying to hit on. Uh, the uh mary and uh, drug her uh this song is wild i would encourage anyone uh listening along to um to go play it it's called goodnight fair lady uh it's obviously on the aftermath ascension the album covering yes, on aftermath so ascension just go search and play it uh this song is like a weird owl parody of um thin lizzy uh <laughs> i like this song <laughs> um i wouldn't say that on, on, i did not say that's a negative but it's the most that i've ever been like 
Wow, you're really doing someone else here, Coheed. Yes, yes, this is not a Coheed song. Because Coheed are like, uh, uh, the sound has not been consistent, but because of Claudio's voice, they do have a very, not always coherent, but unique sound. Like That sounds like Coheed, even across the various genres and stuff they do. This, the guitar song, and you're like, it's a fucking Thin Lizzy song. It's literally, you're just doing a Thin Lizzy song that you've written. Um, and, you know what? I quite like it. I'm a big fan yeah, of this song. I think it's really good. Uh, it has a great riff. Um, there's yes. a bit where the piano comes great in over the chorus riff. at the end. Yeah, the piano, it's really good. Um, Unfortunately, it is about uh, date rape. Uh, yeah, of course it is, because it's fucking Cody Carambia. Yeah. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Uh, um, the um, the the blurb for this song before the like little story says, "I was at a restaurant with my wife, and this incredibly creepy gentleman was sitting at the end of a bar. There was something about it that was so uncomfortable and out of place, like a predator lying in wait. My imagination, I can't talk. My imagination got away from me, and all of a sudden, I couldn't stop thinking about the bar guy turning into a Broadway musical. The lights blazing toward this guy as he would jump out of his seat and start performing a full theatrical. Pro- oh, gee, I can't talk at all. A full." Three a- theatrical production of his sinister intentions. Yes. Um, which I love this description because there is absolutely no information provided in this uh, text as to what's creepy about him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No idea. Just a dude who looks weird. Which. Obviously, there are many creepy guys that hang in bars. That's just a thing that happens. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he was necessarily wrong, but I don't know the guy. All I have is this text, and the narrative of this single paragraph is: Claudio saw a guy, another guy in a bar, and decided he must be out to hurt women. <laughs> <laughs> or he, at the very least, had the thought: Wouldn't it be fucked up if? Yes, wouldn't it be fucked up if this guy was like a super evil Joker guy who was going to yeah. sing a song about his date rape? I should write his date rape song. Yeah, I should do that. Um, so that's uh, that's what the song's about. It's about the guy trying to drug uh, her drink. Yes, because because Mary finally has decided she's going to go meet some people, um, and then uh, goes out to a little bar, uh, almost has a dude slipper one, but then um. Officer Graves Colton, an undercover cop who's been watching the whole thing go down. Uh, apparently, they've been unable to catch this guy for months, which it doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Um, but they they catch him and then they they get to know each other. Yeah. So the officer is uh, Graves Colton, an undercover police. Why is he undercover? Why like, is he undercover? Could he not just be off duty? <laughs> like whatever, man. Police officers had to go, go to undercover bar. to catch this guy. It's the night. Police officers go to bars. <laughs> yeah. Why is he undercover? It makes so much more sense if he's just off duty. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so that's Officer Graves, but we didn't notice that this guy, the shitty guy, is called Dyer Grinlock. Dyer Grinlock. Dyer Grinlock, a local lowlife who makes himself comfortable on the empty bar stool beside her. Um, don't really think a local lowlife requires uh, an undercover police officer. No, like, he, he's just, like, if this is all he does, it's pretty easy to catch him, I feel like. You don't really need that much. They have two of them, obviously, he's got a partner there. Um, and, yeah, ridiculous detail, so. Maybe Claudio just doesn't know what undercover cops do. <laughs> undercover is anyway, any time a cop takes his, like, cop clothes right. off. Right, he's just, yeah, when he's, when he's just in normal uh, street clothes. That's undercover. Uh, 
But now we come to the centerpiece of the album, at least in, not not musically, nor narratively, but no. definitely in terms of this podcast. <laughs> a song we've been waiting to cover for many years. Many years. Molly, would you like to tell the people about Hollywood the Cracked? Uh, Hollywood the Cracked, um, I, I, I'll let you do the blurb after, but it is essentially about a girl who really wants to be famous. She really wants to be famous and no famous people, uh, especially she wants, um, I, I don't even know if she wants to be famous as much as she wants to be around people who are anyway. Um, she has decided that she loves this girl named Madame Crisis Moreau, uh, who's an actress, and she will only be referred to as MCM from here on out, I guess, so that's fun. Um, but she is, um, like, stealing from stores to dress up like her, and um, spending stolen money on plastic surgery to look more like her. Um, and eventually she realizes that, no, I don't want to be friends with her, I want to kill her and take her life, like, and, and take over what she's doing. Um, and, uh, eventually she does kill, uh, MCM, uh, but is about to get, and gets killed herself, I guess, is supposed to be the end of this thing. It's kind of, it kind of just ends very quickly, uh, uh story-wise. Yeah, story-wise, because, like, because it, we're seeing this through Cyrus's perspective, he actually gets interrupted by the next guy who's even more fucked yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, more fucked up. In the key work, um, we'll get into what his deal is in a minute. Um, I would not have guessed that this was based on a true story. <laughs> or not a true story, but... I mean, you know. this, is, this is... So, the, uh, the the blurb just... I won't read it all, but the blurb says, like, uh, I mostly like fans, but there's been a few incidents of uh, people going too far uh, and crossing the line from interesting to threatening situations or harassment. And I know most people in the public eye experience this. Um, and I wanted to think about how emotion can turn so quickly in the mind of an unstable person, how admiration can change to hate overnight and be directed towards someone they might think they know well because they follow them on Twitter or follow closely the, uh, follow closely the art they create. Um, which is true, but I do want to uh, really zone in on a specific word there, which is uh, how emotion can turn so quickly in the mind of an unstable person. Yeah. That is to say, in the conception of harassment that this presents the the thing we're meant to say is it's bad if they're already insane right that's the 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 version this is like it's bad when you let someone who is dangerous and unstable get access to us not the dynamics of the social experience and structures we're engaging with encourage unhealthy behaviors it's about the fact that this person's gone too far Um, well because it's just coming from the place where he's like man it's fucked up this happened to me but the other thing is an important part to be like, you may recognize this uh, this story from the plot of about 700 million horror movies. Yes. <laughs> this is a very stuck plot. And Claudio, like, loves horror, right? He's spoken about this a lot. Yes. Uh, he loves these movies. So on some level, I'm kind of, like, there's some real trashy stuff in this. Um, should we talk about the gun? <laughs> yeah, I guess she fucks the gun. She fucks the gun. <laughs> She's not very... You know what, Claudio? I'm going to let you know that you're a fucking coward for not putting it in the actual summary here. Yes, she does not fuck a gun in the in the book. Uh, but the line is, Hollywood, Hollywood, watch out, here she comes, Hollywood, Hollywood, fucking a loaded gun. Um, but, like, obviously, she means... She, 
it's it is it is metaphorical but the line is fucking loaded gun he said it so much that you just think she's about to fuck a gun that she's about to fuck the gun and in the, there and there exists like two versions of this movie right there are many right but the version where it's like a metaphor is less funny to me than the super trashy horror movie where she's actually fucking a gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, because of its context of this plot is stock and it's like really, it's critiques of a systemic issue that is to say uh, fame and harassment are being like load bared by uh, this uncomfortable view of mental illness. Uh, I am more sympathetic to it here than I am in some of like the misogyny stuff, purely because it is so obviously from other things. Like he's doing a horror movie plot, uh, yes, which um has its own problems in history, but that is like a whole history that it contextualizes this within, which I think is slightly different to the uh like ways he will let's say later talk about the you know the ways in which his he and his wife relate to violence perhaps yep uh-huh um, which also is like connects to how i say when i think about like al the killer and the way he is super fucked up and extreme i think of it as a different kind of provocative as when he talks about how you know the specific feelings and resentments towards uh erica courts right there's a different kinds of uncomfortable yes extremely um, but he does invent a fucking like super fan evil who's fucking a loaded gun. Who's fucking a gun? Yeah. But also very, the song's not very good. The song's not very good. Uh, he goes Hollywood, Hollywood, <laughs> like a stupid voice. Yeah. Uh, absolutely the weakest song on the album so far. Yes. Um, but it's I think it's just easily the weakest song on Ascension. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll go with that. Um. Yeah. Is it worse than Evergreen of the Faithful? Ah, mm. uh, yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah, those are the two. We're coming up that one in a second. Evagria has an okay baseline, at least. That's true. I get, yeah, you know, it's probably this one. Um, but he's watching this and doesn't really get, like, the, you know, she's she's murdering uh, MCM, who is the, the celebrity she's trying to, um like, replace. Uh, and as he's watching this, like another entity crashes into the situation here and pulls him out. It just says the new, a new entity smashes into the scene. This is Vic the Butcher. That's whispering to my date. Whispering <laughs> to my date. This is Vic the Butcher. <laughs> that's Vic the Butcher. Yo, that's Vic the Butcher over there. You seen that's him? Vic the Butcher. Uh, yeah. And I, I have to read this whole blurb. I just have yeah, to please, read this whole blurb. By all means. A few years ago, my wife and I were renting an apartment in the village, uh, oh, in the village, yes, a bleaker McDougal 184. Um, we had been married less than a year, just living it up in this amazing point in our lives. Well, it's nice for some of us to be married, renting in the village, I guess, stab. Uh-huh, damn. <laughs> what a relatable thing to write about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one night, we went to a show with a group of friends, and I wound up getting into it with one of them to the point where I knew if I didn't just get out of the situation, things could get bad. Now, you may be saying to yourself, wow, that's a lot of information in that sentence with not a lot of specificity, and you would be right. That's true. He did say <laughs> that's that. That's so true. 
Uh, so knowing that about myself, I took off alone and went home to give myself a cooling off period. Nevertheless, Tranny was angry that I left the show without her. In my mind, I knew she was safe with my friends and would understand my mood enough to know I needed to get out immediately. She wouldn't talk to me. The immature side of me blew things out of proportion and the next day I started to write this song about the course of events that evening and how one strike of a match could have burned this entire relationship and friendship down. Put a pin in a lot of these ideas until we get to dissension, by the way, yeah. because there's a, there's a real song in there. But this narrative, the narrative he talks about here, which is just a personal anecdote, um, is like, if I didn't leave right now, I would have beat this guy up, is essentially what he's saying. <laughs> um, yes, I would have gotten in a real actual fight. Doesn't say what the fight's about. Doesn't say... No what the disagreement was over just as getting into it to the point where if i didn't leave things could get bad uh i guess that's fair i don't think i would air that yeah and i mean what i think that this does um because i have no i i don't care if what the like actual situation was i have no interest in calling claudio guilty or not yeah Uh, the thing that interests me is the conception of um and this is a running theme especially throughout the rest of this album uh of male violence as something to be managed and understood and like avoided like the the thing and this that is presented as the victory and the mature thing is to know yourself enough to leave not to know yourself enough to not get that mad (laughs) but to know yourself enough to extract yourself which to be fair is a you know that's a that's, decent step that, one at the very that's, that least. is a step one that is absolutely like a thing that you should do and when you understand yourself I'm, I'm not like i say i'm uninterested in saying whether claudia was right or not in this fake situation that is yes. i'm being told here i don't know him seems like a nice man uh, i do think like narratively the conception of violence is inevitable and innate within the men of this story and the tension of how they manage it and how close they let it get to the women is the thing that Claudia finds interesting in so many of these stories, and I just don't agree with that framing of how violence happens. Yeah, no. Uh, it it just removes that. It just it others the idea of violence. Right, it says a violence is here, and it must be accommodated either by me leaving or me. De- it it cannot be engaged with or defeated or perhaps m- mature into a different way of engaging with the situation. Um, like well, you know. Iron Fist is on the next album. There's a song called Iron Fist yeah. uh, that's coming up. It's going to be all about those ideas. Because Vic the Butcher, being about a guy, is not actually that much about this, but this anecdote brings up a lot of ideas that will really come up in the rest of this album. Yes. Right, the fact that you you bring this up and then write Vic the Butcher is suspect, I guess, <laughs> is is the very least what we're saying. Because Vic the Butcher is not, as some songs genuinely are in this album later, a story about... Uh, an angry husband's tense relationship with his wife. That happens later. Now, yeah. we got someone with Vince Butcher, who's a fucking Joker man burning down an orphanage. <laughs> yes, yeah, so burning down an orphanage, and also, like, a war criminal, like, <laughs> like, literally just, like, yeah, I pretty much just kill everyone I want. Uh, <laughs> and that, like, he's, he's well-regarded in the army because he kills everyone he wants, which I guess, you know, that's a smart way to do this. <laughs> or uh, a thing that Claudio is saying that he doesn't know is true. <laughs> 
So would you like to tell uh, me well, like the yes, the the Vic the Butcher's life story here? Yeah, so Vic the Butcher, uh, quote, was a tyrannical army lieutenant general whose lack of empathy and disregard for rules made him very successful. Um he he uh did he I need to read this next sentence because I think it's incredible. Uh, Cyrus could see the majority of Vic's conquest in life were based on loopholes, illegal activities, and dirty dealings, yet because of his power, he's managed to instill fear in so many of those who worked beneath him that his orders remained unquestioned. Which, like, yes, when you are promoted in the military, your orders generally go unquestioned because that's how the military works. Um, so, uh, he... Um, would do fucked up shit and kill other people uh, who were on missions with him so they wouldn't tell the guy uh, in charge the fucked up shit he did. Uh, and as he came back alone, they're like, wow, you must have done a great job. Here you go. Um, which is, I don't think that's how the uh, military works, but um, yeah, there's a quote here. Vic moved up the ranks, began to brainwash his platoons, tormenting those who questioned any of his decisions. More than one promising young soldier returned from their first off-world military tour with missing limbs, near-fatal burns, and wounds inflicted by their very leader as a form of psychological warf- warfare and were all too terrified to tell. Um, eventually, uh, he calls a guy named uh, Sentry into his private quarters to give him an order to bomb a specific place. Uh, Sentry saying, no, that's not allowed. I can't do that. There are civilian casualties involved. Uh, and Vic gets so mad at him that he has his guys hang him uh, in somewhere. I don't know. But uh, they, uh, oh, no, excuse me, in a deserted portion of the barracks as he watched. So Cyrus is like, Jesus, this sucks, man. Um, and so he thinks that, like, okay, this must be the point where... I have to kill Vic and get out of this memory. Uh, but no, <laughs> uh, this is, it's, it's later on uh, when he is out, he's retired, but word is going around that maybe he did some war crimes, you know, um, maybe it's going to catch up to him and he's going to be uh, on trial for gross misconduct. Um, and Vic who refuses to just go do the trial um, has decided to burn down the building. He lives in with his wife inside, uh, and, quote, as well as hundreds of other residents and a nursery school on the bottom floor. <laughs> uh, and a nursery and, school. And the nursery school. He keep on down all the kids. You didn't You didn't have to add the younglings, Claudio. I, this, this he was is pretty comedy. much already the worst. <laughs> this is pure, pure comedy. Because like, the last track is yes. just like... A horror movie, you know, very stock horror plot. This is just like the most evil guy doing evil shit, and like Sirius keeps going, "Is this it?" And no, he does another evil thing. He's like, "Is this it?" And no, he gets Assassin's Creed teleported twenty years in time to him killing a bunch of orphans. Like, damn. Yeah, it. <laughs> it, it. He just keeps stacking things, and you're like, "Really? More? Okay." Uh, so very funny to have. Like, we are. This- I get it. He's evil. <laughs> Very funny to have this chapter being like, this is a serious uh, song I wrote after um, uh, tensions with my, my wife and how I knew I must control my anger. Uh, and then it's just like, a Joker man did seven million murders in the military and killed them in the nursery. <laughs> Burned down the building he lived in. I don't really the, the first floor was kindergarten. <laughs> yep. Like, okay. And now, here's the other thing. And this is this is, this is is key. The song slams. <laughs> Song does kind of fucking slap. Song though. does pretty much go though. 
when he <laughs> when he says 184, let's burn it down. You know I'm yelling. Let's burn it down. It's and so he does good. the ha 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 ha. Yeah, it's really good. Hang your secrets. Hang them up. Hang them up now. Hang your. It's, it's fucking, fucking good. Banger. Absolute banger. <laughs> Every time uh, Claudio goes particularly like stupid sicko mode, it, re- it usually results in a pretty good song. <laughs> pretty good song. Um. Like, you know, uh, welcome home. Every time he brings back Josephine back up. <laughs> every time he brings Josephine back up. God, Usually exactly. fucking bangs. Super bangs. Um, oh, yeah, so that's that song. Great song. Uh, and then moves into uh, Key and the Extraction 4, um, Avegria the Faithful. Uh, uh, what if one of these the spirits was nice? Uh, which asks, what if one of these spirits was nice? Yes. Um, yeah, what if, what if he found out that heaven existed? <laughs> And yeah, so so like Cyrus is literally dying. He's in the afterlife and being confronted with the worst guy ever in the afterlife and experiencing all his memories uh, yes. is dying. Like his blood pressure is crashing. It's all going bad. Also, he's um, been here a long time. Yes, uh, is like the other part, and he can only he he has like I think he mentions he has like intravenous nutrients or whatever being fed to him, so he doesn't need to eat. I guess, um, but. The, it's not supposed to go this long. No. So yeah, it's uh he's he's fucked up, and Evagrio is, is shows up and is like, okay, I could just like hold you for a minute, uh, and he's like, okay. So Evagria shows up, Evagria the faithful, and she's just the nicest person who's ever lived. She's the anti sickos, uh, which of course means. She's like a really kind woman who will heal everyone around her. Yes. The, the conception of goodness is inherently feminine and selfless. Like, feminine selflessness is what these works perceive as good. Like, that's the morality of the Amory score. The Amory... Fuck! Every time. The Amory Wars That is also is, the, the morality of the Amory score. Um, is that the only thing we worth... believe in the divine feminine. <laughs> We're here to leave you the divine feminine, and the divine feminine is when a woman fixes a man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yes, but she 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 shields him. Yes. Uh, for a little while. Uh the song is mid. Yeah, the song's not very good. It's fine. Uh, but I must read these these uh, sentences about. Evagria's life. Please. Um, Evagria is a truly good soul. In her living body, she was always strong and caring, taking care of those around her. You already got that in the first half of the sentence, dude. I... <laughs> yeah. No, we heard. I heard you. I, I heard you the first time. No editor. No editor. Um, she gave her time through her career in social work, eventually adopting three at-risk children on her own from underpaid, uh, from underfunded orphanage off-world. Um... Evagria focused much of her life on raising them, ensuring they had every advantage in life, starting with a mother who gave them her time. When a political process tore through her planet, Evagria was the first one to volunteer at the local hospital to care for the victims, regardless of whether they shared the same views she did. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit! I will help the victims of the political protest. She was unconcerned with petty disagreements and felt that times of collective human suffering were the ideal opportunity to bring people together through compassion. God. So Um, true, Queen. 
Even when diagnosed with a rare bone disease midlife, she never showed weakness. Rather, she spent her final days comforting her friends and family as they watched her succumb to the devastating disease that kept her in tremendous pain. Damn, could not be me. <laughs> when she finally passed away, her children were left, were left with a solid set of morals and an understanding that they would carry on the charitable ways of her mother. What the fuck, Claudio? Yeah. She was super nice, and she didn't go to protest. She just helped people, and she fixed them. And also, she didn't even complain. She devoted herself to motherhood like a good woman should. Uh, never experienced any bitterness at her own suffering when others were better. Uh, okay, thanks, bro. <laughs> cool. Don't know what I'm meant to get from this woman being super perfect other than feeling kind of icked out by... The way you just wrote about how uh, men are violence and women are saving me from the afterlife. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing with this. But yeah, that's uh, that. Nothing really. I don't have anything to say about it. Claudio, you, uh, you're on one. Uh, and then we get the subtraction, which is that song that begins with the blurb about the uh, being um, being away from tour. And yep. um again nothing happens no, nothing happens nothing there's like one more page of story here nothing happens he just realizes he's like oh he's... fuck i left my wife on earth oh yeah, he, shit he realizes that oh i've abandoned my wife she she i i've my, i should not have been so focused on being on tour i must go home to my wife um and he remembers that he loved her all along um which would matter in a story where she thought she he didn't love her and cheated on him. They wouldn't have it still yes. be like problematic, but it would make sense as a narrative. She thinks he's dead and it's been a year. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> so it's not not really the same situation. Not like no. not really a dramatic irony of oh my actions like they can't actually make him as like let him off the hook for the cheating that's about to happen in the next book. Because it's been too long and she thinks he's dead, which when she cheats on him, which is about to happen, I assume. Um, I haven't actually read the dissension part, but I've heard the album. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, do you, do you not know? I mean, I know. <laughs> okay. I know. Don't worry. Yeah. I know the plot of Gar- Gravity's Union. <laughs> okay. Just making um, sure. God, there's so much more wild shit in the next half of this book. Uh, and you know what? It's a fucking banger. <laughs> shit bangs. Uh, yeah. yeah. The rest of this album's also great. I'm very, I'm so excited. Yeah. Same. So um, I guess before we finish up, because we don't, we're not going to do our normal segments, uh, because we, you know, new structure. No, we're we're just, yeah covering this whole thing. I do want to um go back to Mothers of Men because the blurb is um the funniest opening one of these could have, uh, which is ahead. Claudio writing. As the Occupy movement was happening, I found myself considering the idea of protest in general and what makes the public decide they have enough differences to take a stand. <laughs> Coheed is not a political band, and this song is no real exception. Thanks, okay. Claudio. Thanks, Claudio. <laughs> I like the idea of him sitting in his apartment in the village, I guess. I mean, I, he married Chandra. Yeah, in fucking Chandra. Manhattan. Yeah, in fucking Manhattan. He married Chandra early in that, so I guess not in that exact apartment anymore. But, uh... Because that doesn't line up when, when Occupy was happening. But, um... No. Rich guy, married, watching this happen, going, hmm, so interesting academically about what What's how happens with protests. I wonder what this hmm. says about the human condition. Uh, while everyone's like, fuck you, you're stealing all the money! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, 
what what top songs? What best song on this album? Hit me. Uh, best song on this album. It's. I want to say it's Goodnight Fair Lady. I think I listened to that one more than any other ones. Yeah, I think I'm Team Goodnight Fair Lady. I was like, one of us is going to be Domino, and then I was surprised by saying no. Goodnight yeah, Fair no, Lady. no, no. I, I think it's Goodnight Fair Lady. Like I Domino and uh, Vic are both like bangers. But yeah, if I'm listening bangers. to something, like it's way easier to listen to uh, Goodnight Fair Lady. I would say Domino, Afterman, Goodnight Fair Lady, um, Vic the Bill Oh, Afterman's great too. Yeah, uh, like uh, most all, of these songs are at the... least good. Yes. But those those four are like genuinely damn. We're back on the level. Of, like they're all better than the uh, basically any song on the other back rainbow. Um, yes. This is the, I uh, I think I would just go ahead and say all of these songs are better than anything on your the black rainbow, I, except I for really, Hollywood. I really like Word of Lines. I don't. I don't like it the way you do, but that's okay. Uh, I even really like Subtraction, which is like one of the like acoustic bands. I like Subtraction a lot. Uh, I think that Claudia's voice in it is a. The bits where he's like, and he's trying to go low. Uh, maybe not that. Maybe uh, that bit, not great. <laughs> I really like the chorus. But yes, I like the misery. I digress. No remorse. No. Yeah. It's good. So that's just a good song. I, yeah, I think it's it really song. is Hollywood. Nice. Hollywood and maybe kind of uh, Evagra that's kind of weak. Um, yeah, but no, and Mothers most... of Men, because we've you haven't forgotten you've forgotten that it happened already. No, I, I like Mother of the Men's a better song than Hollywood <laughs> the Cracked, right? But like, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um, yes. I you know, I like the it's not it's never listen anymore, dude. It's a way, but it's just kind of average. Uh, yeah. and um yeah, I just lived in a, in a pretty good place, excited to, you know, listen to Dissension the year after. Because I rem- I remember listening to this. And I was in Bournemouth when it came out because I was in my in my university. I was list. I was walking over the overpass to get to the KFC. I think I was listening to it. Um, I have strong sense memories of this album yeah. in a way that I don't for uh, the others before this because I listened to them in the same like place at home. Uh, right. Yeah. You're just listening at home because you first get into a band. But any anything after this is like. I mean, the, you know when you're at uni and you live for a place in six months or anything you do in that six months is super specific yeah um in a way that is very true for that yeah so that's that's then like i remember being on a train listening to dissension when i was going to newcastle to meet my sister um and at the time i was preview for next episode i was like dissension that's a disappointing follow-up album i don't believe that anymore i quite like dissension no Dissension's really good. So Dissension's uh, better than Ascension. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. Um, I'm going that far. I'm doing it right now. We're not going to talk about that album, but uh, man, um, I think my actual opinion is the between Ascension and Dissension is if they cut it down to just the best songs, uh, like an actual top tier Coheed album. But as it stands, it's just pretty good. Yeah. Um. The what was I going to say? The other thing. Um, I'll say nah. Well, I'll just save it for next time because we're not talking about Iron Fist today. Yeah, Iron Fist. Pretty, the song's called "Fucking Iron Fist." Yeah. So, yeah. When I was talking about all the stuff with the, that one quote, it really had nothing to do with um Vic the Butcher and everything to do with Iron Fist, which yeah, is it coming has up. Everything to do with Iron Fist. Yes. Which is the song that's maybe loomed the largest over this entire podcast is eventually. Claudia's going to write a song called Iron Fist about what it is to be violent as a man. Yes. Um, so look forward to that next time on the yeah. Amory Score. <laughs> on the Amory Score. That's right. Molly, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly with Y-E-R, uh, audioentropy.com, where I do Totally Reprise, which is currently covering Twin Peaks. 
a show I've never watched before, um, and Eidolon Playtest, which is me and Luke uh, and a bunch of our friends uh, playing our game called Eidolon Become Your Best Self, which we are making a new second edition of that doesn't use dice. Um, so that's that's been a fun time. We have like some mini-series stuff going right now, so there's not much to... Um, not much to, uh, no backlog, you, no backlog required. You can just start listening right now. Uh, and it's just like some self-contained stories. Um, and on journal updated, which is over on abnormal mapping, um, where Nora and I are playing a game every month and then talking about it. We have an episode on marathon out now, um, that I think is really good. Uh, and then, uh, we're going to be talking about dragon age two at the end of April. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at headfallsoff, twitter.com, and you can find the podcasts that I do at abnormalmapping.com, uh, mostly with M, uh, and you can support them at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping, where you can get the Great Gundam Project for $1 a month. Um, that's a good podcast. Well, we're, we're in the middle of Gundam Sea right now, which is fucking terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> that's a bad show. But generally, that's a very fun podcast. Uh, um, fuck all that, though. You gotta give at least $5 to get Blockbusters. You people gotta. like Blockbusters. I think Blockbusters might be our best podcast. which I, on some It is easily rude. your best podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Because um, uh, it's our $5 one, so I feel kind of self-aware. of Like, oh, it's not the free one, but then also I do need Who to... Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, it's good, though. That's the one where we are... Me and M watch a blockbuster movie together, and inevitably it has completely batshit politics, and we have to dig into them. Yes, uh, it's it is a wonderful podcast. I haven't listened to the uh, Ten Commandments episode yet, <laughs> uh, but that is on my to do list this weekend. Next month, uh, we're going to be watching I Robot, the two thousand and four, yeah, uh, classic <laughs> <Fuck> cinema. <yeah! laughs> See, okay, there's a question, Molly. You, would you yeah. consider I Robot not like a classic in the big sense but like a, a dumb movie everyone's fucking seen and knows yes, quotes absolutely yes. it's, it's on fx like every other week thank you i'm fucking saying it's on em, the television you're like, experiencing well, a car accident <laughs> exactly the hell i am <laughs> <laughs> that detective is the right question so <laughs> em, em saying, and obviously it's very convenient for me because they're not here to yeah. tell me i'm wrong right now <laughs> <laughs> no here on the every score you are just right <laughs> just right yeah emma's saying that oh no people would have just seen that and never thought about it again iro has no cultural impact i'm here to <laughs> say that no it's not true it's like a dumb movie with some really stupid lines uh that people remember uh people remember the lines i i will i you know i would argue maybe it doesn't have huge cultural impact but people know about it yeah i'm not saying it's like a massive you know revenge of the sith level everyone no. knows half the lines from a movie yeah um, but I think it is known and dumb enough to be not be completely written off. Well, we'll find out how good it is in a, in about three weeks, I guess. The reckoning I can't wait. I know. I bet I'm, no matter what, it's going to be a great time. I bet I'm going to have a good time too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We're fucking back, baby. That's right. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, in another four months. <laughs> yes, or whenever we could do or it. Whenever yeah. we do it, yeah. But I mean, we've explicitly said this is the schedule for the longer podcast is whenever the fuck we yes. can do it. Don't ask me. Don't ask me for shit. Don't ask me. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>
Second entity identified. 